1: Welcome everybody to another episode of Dr. Michael Todorovic and Dr. Matthew Barton's... No, wait a second. Dr. Matthew... No. Doc, Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike's medical podcast. That's what we're doing. Uh, I'm your host. I'm the Dr. Mike one. And then Dr. <laughs> Dr. Matt's over there. I'm pointing. You can't see. Not a very good start to the podcast today. Uh, I apologise about that. But today we're talking about the kidneys. Uh, and we're talking about the important role that the kidneys play... In regards to homeostasis i.e keeping us
2: alive and then what happens when these it doesn't it fun- doesn't function at least in the acute setting so what's that mean acute meaning really good looking um short term
1: short term yes as opposed to chronic long term yep and generally the 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 barrier the time barrier here is like three months right under three months acute longer than three months chronic let's go with that okay we'll stick to that uh that's correct, just so everybody is aware, uh, particularly in this case. So we're talking <laughs> acute kidney injury, previously known as what? Uh, acute renal failure. Right. So that's changed. Definition terms have changed. Yep. Um, I sort of feel, and I'm no professional here when it comes to AKI. Uh, people the People be end. surprised to hear. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, I would have thought acute renal failure is actually a better descriptor an acute kidney injury because the, the kidney isn't always injured necessarily
2: in AKI, Okay. right? Like Would,
1: at least by the tests that we perform.
2: Because it depends on what you mean by injury though. Exactly. Like um, not necessarily dying, the cells aren't necessarily dying, but they may be inflamed, yeah. annoyed, upset. Yeah. Disappointed. Okay, um, is that an injury? Well, Matt's now <laughs> starting to put human emotions <laughs> into kidney, onto cells. Um,
1: but no, AKI is the appropriate terminology here: acute kidney injury. And in order for us to understand it, we first need to define it. So, Matt, what is acute kidney injury?
2: I think basically it just comes down to a sudden decrease in kidney function. So, um, the kidneys pause in their job for a short period of time. Okay, and predominantly, how is this assessed? It's through two main parameters, one called creatinine, which we'll get to, and the other being urine output or urine volume. So when these two parameters become out of range or disranged...
1: So basically... Deranged. If the the serum creatinine goes too high and the urine output goes too low.
2: Yes. Yeah. That's generally going to um, suggest... Acute kidney injury. Okay. Now, because it is acute, generally speaking, it's classed as being reversible. Okay. So, it can go back to its normal functioning. Whether it's
1: self-resolved or whether through an intervention it's resolved. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's so, start with what the kidney does.
2: Yeah. So, I think the best way to remember this mm. is, the ac- no, it's not an acronym, um, mnemonic. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Wait, did you make this the moniker? No, no, I didn't, but I do like
1: using it. Oh, here we go. It's sure it's crap. A wet bed. A wet bed. Yeah. All right, so far it's very good. I like a wet bed. What does the A stand for? Acid and base balance. Oh, so this is what the kidney does. Yeah. So the importance of because everyone's probably listening going, I didn't this I didn't log on to the <laughs> kidney episode specifically. I logged on to the acute kidney injury episode. Yes. But in order to understand what my might- AKI is so important yep. and how to understand it, you need to understand the basic functions. Yes. Okay, so a wet bed, yep. A, acid base balance.
2: Yes, that's that's the A, yep. W. So if you had a uh, if you had some paper next to you, <laughs> I do. Yeah. Not not you, li- oh. listeners, dear listeners. Oh, I, dear listeners. I, I know some of listener. you. I know some of. <laughs> yeah. Hi, mum. Now, <laughs> some of our listeners would be exercising or in the car or um, on a push bike. How do you know. So <laughs> Matt's watching. Uh, um, you probably can't pull a piece of paper out and start writing. No. But let's say you could. Yes. Down the one side of the column, you could put a wet bed. Yeah. Okay, so the A.
1: People know what a mnemonic is. Yeah. You know, just defining what a mnemonic I is. I just to like
2: doing this. Oh, sorry like for It's wasting more for me everyone. than you, Michael. All right, so what's W? Uh, water balance. Cool. E. Okay. Uh, electrolytes. We'll just say electrolyte regulation. How's that? that's good. That's good. T? Toxins. Now, that's not completely accurate, but I just had to throw that in somewhere. Uh, It refers to metabolic waste products. Good. Because it's
1: important to say that the body does not produce toxins, however... The metabolic waste that the body produces, if it isn't regulated properly, it can accumulate to toxic quantities. Okay, all right. right? That's is that all right to That's, sort of clarify? Well, it's too late now. All right, fair point. Uh, B B
2: is blood pressure regulation.
1: All well, good, good, good. Um, what's the next letter?
2: E E um, EPO
1: erythropoietin
2: yeah nice. so that's a hormone that is released um, to help regulate your red blood cell production
1: wow on a totally separate note how's your cycling going my what
2: cycling Is anyway any like pu- push uh, biking uh, pun my push bike oh okay got it anyway uh D uh, well this is a bit of another one, tricky one um vitamin D Oh, you could say D-vitamin? Yeah, D-vitamin. anyone say that?
1: Yeah. That's I I like that. You like that one? All of these, that's actually quite good. So all of these are basically a nice broad overview of the function that the kidneys play. Regulating these things, controlling these things, balancing these things. Yes. Which is pretty huge considering they're two little tiny, relatively small structures um, that are constantly doing this and if they get kicked out of whack... Uh, these things go out of
2: balance and you get sick pretty quick, right? Yep. That's correct. That's correct. And just while you are on that point, um, 7% of hospitalised patients will have acute renal failure. Now, whether that's... Because so the in the hospital, Michael, in the hospital. Um, oh, sorry, Matthew. Let me clarify. Do you mean hospital acquired no. AKI or oh. community acquired AKI? Oh, Be- okay. That's A- my point. People present into hospital. Yep. About one percent has acute renal failure on presentation. AKI, kidney okay. 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 injury. Yep. Um, but once they're in the hospital, it goes up to seven percent. Oof. Okay, and then so hospital acquired. Yep. Yep. And then. Uh, when you go to ICU it could be somewhere between thirty to sixty percent. Wowza.
1: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's
2: huge. It is huge. And yeah. so um, one of the this is what I this is a stat that I come across. In terms of nephrology, so nephrologists in the hospital, about ninety five percent of their workload is AKI related. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. So it's huge. it's, that is a, it's huge. got a big burden. Um all right. So knowing all
1: those functions, right? So we know those functions. Uh, I want to talk about um, the the T in a wet bed. Well,
2: yeah, there's so cu- there's a couple of points within the wet bed.
1: Yeah. So okay, let's the, first start with the, tea. Okay. Toxins, because we we're talking about regulating
2: metabolic byproducts. Yeah. Right. So the kidneys. And there's two main ones here that, of a special importance for AKI.
1: Yeah, so we need to know that obviously the body tries to produce ATP, a whole bunch of energy, uh, and will use that ATP. I just get mine from the diet. Really? I just take a powder. ATP powder? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't exist. Uh, So the body's going to produce ATP and produce a byproduct the body's going to use ATP produce a byproduct and basically any time the body does something byproducts are produced now they're thrown back into the blood and need to get released if the byproducts are gas like carbon dioxide well we give it to the respiratory system to deal with breathe it out. But if it's something that uh, can't be breathed that's it's a gas and it's water soluble, then the kidneys are left with dealing with it. And a couple of those byproducts include a byproduct of protein metabolism, Yeah, can I add something there? Please do.
2: So when you spoke about ATP, this is the currency that every cell needs to be able to do the things it needs to do, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the way we make ATP is generally speaking, correct me if I'm wrong, Michael. I will. uh, There's three main macronutrients to help make ATP. Is that fair? Relatively fair. So carbohydrates, fats, and proteins. Sure. Is that... As kind of accurate as you can get. I know you can get no, more you can get far
1: more accurate, but that's, <laughs>
2: that's, that's, that's 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 broadly that's a nice synopsis
1: of okay. macronutrients. Yeah.
2: Now, so from the carbohydrate, let's just say glucose, that can be taken care of pretty easily with um, with when you do cell, cellular respiration or make ATP. Like you said, CO two being the byproduct, breathe it out move on yep. same kind of thing with fats Yep. Same. but when we come to proteins they're made up of amino acids mm. the difficulty here with making energy out of a amino acid is you're left with the amino end yes which is ammonia yeah yeah NH2. which is too so it's got it's got a nitrogen and some hydrogens joined to it. That's right. So the problem here is you can't just throw that into the blood because ammonia is a bit nasty. This is then becoming a toxin, right? If it starts building up. Exactly. So you clean your toilet with this potentially or your floors. So you don't want to be cleaning your body or arteries with this. So luckily you have a liver. So you throw this stuff to the liver. Metaphorically. And it makes something for you called urea. Uh-huh. So you have a urea cycle in your liver, it does some changing around of molecules and it spits this urea back into the blood. So it's water soluble now? Yeah. Okay. And it's now called BUN. Sorry? It's now called BUN or sometimes people say BUN, let's just keep it as blood urea nitrogen. Okay. Okay.
1: So that's an acronym. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I think it's, it should be called BUN, not BUN.
1: Okay. You can say okay. bun though.
2: Okay. That's People cute. get confused, especially in your, if you're at a bakery.
1: Very true. Yeah. Well, you don't want to go in and say – or you don't even just want to walk up to somebody and say, can you check my buns? <laughs> That's right. Um, so nitrogen is something that then has been produced and the kidneys need to filter out. Yeah. As urea. That's right. As urea. Yep. So blood, urea, nitrogen. That's right. Filters out and that's something we can measure. How much the kidneys are filtering that out.
2: And then how much that's um, building up in the blood if the kidneys aren't working. Right. Okay. Happy uh, with that? Very happy with that. What else does the kidney
1: sort of try and filter
2: consistently? That's a the, other, the, other, the other toxin, it's not a toxin, but in the tea for wet bread. Wet bread! <laughs> wet bread. <laughs> <laughs> for wet bed. Yes. Um, the other toxin... Don't well, say toxin. I'm just using the T. <laughs> uh, metabolic byproduct <laughs> is creatinine.
1: Right. So creatine. No, uh,
2: not creatine.
1: The stuff I put in on, on every meal as like a topping and the <laughs> stuff I put in my every single drink that I have, creatine. That's what you're referring to. Creatinine. Oh, creatinine. Okay. Slightly different.
2: Yeah. All right. Don't ask me exactly how it's that different. I, don't, I couldn't tell you. I know they're different. Yes. Um, But creatinine is a a byproduct of muscle metabolism. Yes, that's right. Yes. Now, so this also has to be cleared out of the body and it's done by the kidney.
1: Okay. But what we know is that, so when we look at the difference between the two. Yes. So firstly, creatinine Mm -hmm. um, is part of the creatine phosphate Pathway. Oh, there Uh, we go. So when... uh, So does it mean
2: creatine, which you have in your pre-training drink... Yes. ...the creatine part just helps to produce that um, enzyme for ATB respiration?
1: Yeah. So, okay... Quick background for people. Um, your Make, muscle, it quick. Make it quick. Okay, be super quick. Muscle uses ATP to contract. You go into the gym and use your muscles, you need more ATP. We actually don't have high stores of ATP in the body. We actually need to consistently replenish it. Now, if you're in the gym for an hour, your muscles are going to get tired very quickly because it can't replenish the ATP fast enough. Mm-hmm. Luckily for us, our muscle stores something called Creatine. Okay. Creatine can bind to spare phosphates. Remember ATP is a, 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 adenosine triphosphate yep. Yep. and once it's used for its energy, it's adenosine diphosphate or monophosphate. So the phosphates are popped off and they need to be recycled and snapped back on. Right to create ATP. To hold on to some of those phosphates for the replenishment, creatine can hold to the onto the phosphate, okay. right? So okay. it creates creatine phosphate. And that's the backup store that you use so that you can just wait train for a little bit longer. Okay. The byproduct of doing this is creatinine. Okay. Right. And so you produce creatinine at a relatively consistent rate and so does you that mean- filter
2: it through the kidneys at a relatively consistent rate. So does creatinine is creatinine released. Additionally, when there's muscle injury or just muscle metabolism? Well, because it's constantly happening, it's going to be both. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, the, the, the one important difference between creatinine and BUN mm. at the kidneys point of view is that creatinine can't be reabsorbed. Yes. Okay. So that means creatinine that's thrown across the glomerulus, the filtration membrane of the nephron, yeah. once it's in the... The tubular part of the nephron, yeah, it will end up in the toilet. Yes. Okay. Or wherever you decide to urinate. <laughs> that's, right, yeah. that's right. That's right. That's right. And but there is a, a degree that can be secreted in the nephron as well. So that the take-home point is cre- cre- creatinine is only filtered and excreted with a bit of secretion, but the difference with BUN, okay, is it can be reabsorbed. In the nephron. Yes. Okay.
1: And the other thing is that creatinine is released or produced at a consistent rate and therefore is filtered at a consistent rate. Yep. And therefore, we know what the quote-unquote normal value of creatinine should be in the blood, yep. right? Because the kidneys are constantly filtering that are at a constant rate. And therefore, any changes of serum creatinine is... So this creatinine in the blood? ...is a direct indication of how well the kidneys are functioning but nitrogen changes or urea changes aren't necessarily just a a representation of how well the kidneys are functioning because you can change the urea um quantity in your blood through things like diet and metabolism yep right so that's an interesting point so so creatinine tends to be a biomarker yes um that's more reliable than
2: that of nitrogen or, or urea Directly, yeah. So it's a, it's a good indication. So of kidney function. of Particularly GFR, which is the glomerular fil- flow rate or filtration rate.
1: Yeah. We should talk just very briefly about that. Remember that all the blood of your body has to go to the kidneys all the time. It filters 120 millilitres a day. Uh, uh, sorry, a minute. Yeah, yours, right. is, yours is...
2: Aren't working very well. I
1: I produce a a drop of urine per day. Um, 120 mils per minute, your kidneys must filter, which is a huge amount. Now, if you were then to say, okay, I'm filtering 120 mils per minute, how much is that going to be over a day? It's going to be hundreds of litres. But we don't pee out hundreds of litres. I mean, we would lose our entire blood volume within a few hours. Right? So we reabsorb most of that. But the point is that in order for you to the tea in a wet bed, in order for none of these things to become toxic or have become at a toxic level, you must filter at 120 mils per minute. And that's important because if that drops or changes, you can get AKI. Yes. Right? And this is is the whole point. So you can sit back and go, well, what can alter my glomerular filtration rate? And you can think about, you know, all the things leading toward filtration all the things happening at the location of filtration so in the kidneys and all the things happening after the kidneys any issue here pre intra or post that alters filtration can cause AKI.
2: Yes and that's that's very important because the filtration rate or the GFR is directly related to or actually inverse related to the creatine clearance Okay, so, gotcha. so if your GFR is filtering well, your creatinine levels in your blood would be dropping. But if it d- goes the opposite way, your GFR starts to drop, that means your creatinine goes up. Yep. And therefore creatinine is a good biomarker to directly measure GFR. Now, j- now, just quickly before we move on. So, this is just the end point of the toxins or, or the metabolic waste yeah, products. You and your toxins. Um, when we look at these two, the ratio of the two in the blood, in let's just say, quote unquote, normal person, is 15 to 1. Okay. So, oh, what? Sorry. So, What's 15? the bun to creatinine ratio. Oh, gotcha. So, 15 to 1 is what it generally is in a normal functioning kidney. Yeah. Now, I'll get to when this becomes deranged a what bit later un- on.
1: Can I ask what units
2: you're looking at here? Millimoles per liter? Good question. At this point, I'm just going to call it ratio. Okay. I mean, they individually would be looked at their own units. Yeah but I, I, I'm not sh- quite sure at the top of my head. Nice. But, well, that's fine but because
1: it's not like it's a 15 millimoles per litre to one millimole per litre, but you're saying that regardless of what it is, it's 15 to one. Yep. yep.
2: Now, the other part of the wet bed that we just want to be mindful of for acute kidney injury mm-hmm. is the W. So that's the water balance. Oh, yeah. Yep. So yep. that's going to potentially go awry when the kidneys aren't working and also the e which is the electrolytes, particularly sodium, which we'll talk about as well. And and potassium. And I potassium. know, oh but just in terms of how some of the assessment tools or diagnostic tools that are used to kind of try to understand what's happening at the kidney level with an AKI, mm. um, things like urine output, Sodium levels in the body, as well as those two, the two metabolic waste products.
1: Totally, Uh, Uh, because if you think about it, if the kidneys aren't functioning properly, uh, you're and and you know one of the two markers, like you said, you've got increased serum creatinine so creatinine accumulates in the blood like you said but you get decreased urine output because again the kidneys aren't functioning so that's called oliguria Um, that means more fluid stays in the body yes and so you have fluid changes like you're saying but peripheral edema can be something that's sort of Yep. pops up as well. And, and because you're not filtering out the sodium and the potassium, you can get like hyperkalemia because the potassium's staying inside. Like these are things that aren't uncommon in AKI. Yes. So, um, but, but let's I, go through yeah. it. Yeah. I don't want to go into in any more detail now, but I think we should go through – did you want to work through pre-intra
2: post? Just really quickly before we do that, mm-hmm. just the general definition of AKI is usually looked at with severity – which sometimes they'll have stages, yeah, but that ultimately comes down to creatinine levels in the blood and urine output. So all the different clinical tools that can be used, yeah, are based on those two, two parameters, and that's usually how the AKI is scored based on severity of stages.
1: Okay, and so basically, so, so as the- it gets
2: worse, yeah your creatinine goes higher up in your blood and your urine output gets lower and lower. Makes sense. Okay. Makes total sense. Uh. So now we can go in terms of trying to understand why are we getting a sudden drop in kidney function? Mm -hmm. What would be the underlying cause? And like you mentioned, there's three broad categories where all the causes fit under. Yep. There's something called a pre-renal cause, which Mm -hmm. basically means... The kidneys are underperfused with blood. Yeah. There's an intrarenal cause, so there's something wrong with the parenchyma or the functional part Tissue. of the, of the um, let's say, the nephron or the surrounding cells. Yep. And then there's the postrenal, which basically means there's an obstruction of the urine getting out of the, either the kidneys or, or get into the bladder or out of the whole body. Yeah. Yep.
1: Uh, the way, uh, so I, I did a, a video on AKI go to our YouTube channel, Dr. Matt and Dr. Mike, Uh, I did a two-minute video uh, basically summarising all this. uh, And I drew up an image on the whiteboard, which basically has blood going to the kidney, then it's got the kidney, and then it's got tubes exiting the kidney urine output. And those three things is a nice sort of simplistic summa- summary. Blood going to the kidney is pre-renal. You've then got intrarenal, the kidney itself, and post-renal being all the tubes that's carrying the urine going out. So it makes sense that issues with any of these things is going to alter the way that the kidneys filter. Right, because it's all about the kidneys' ability to filter, uh, that affects a wet bed, (laughs) right, literally and figuratively. So, (laughs) pre-renal causes. uh, Again, Matt made the point that it's all of this has to do with impaired renal perfusion. So, perfusion is is blood going to the tissue to feed it. Yep. Um, And so, you can just have a think. Think about the things associated with. This. It's going to be one, the heart, two, the blood vessels, three, the blood itself, right? Yeah. So, what can happen to these three things that reduces the perfusion to the kidney?
0: Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
2: So what do you reckon? Let's start with the heart. Yeah, so this would be a decrease in effective blood pressure. Or output from the heart, so this would be cardiac failure. So if your heart uh, isn't keeping up with the demands of the body, so it's not pushing enough fluid out of the or blood out of the left ventricle, yep, that means not enough blood is then coming to the kidneys. Mm, mm. Um, other would be an MI. So if the heart has oh heart attack, or go into a degree of an arrest, cardiac arrest. Again, the heart's not put pushing out a an amount of blood that's adequate for perfusion for the kidneys. So anything stopping the pump. Yep. Right. Or not or enough blood coming to the heart, so that could also happen with a huge pulmonary embolism so there's a big clot that's mm. blocked within the lung tissue so not enough blood is preloading the heart to get out
1: yeah true so y- you can have issues directly there with the heart you can have issues with the blood volume itself and so this could be blood volume like absolute blood volume so like you could
2: uh, yeah so anything have that bleed out. A, so hemorrhage yeah burns or gi fluid losses so perfect chronic diarrhea or Excessive vomiting. Yep. You are losing so a lot of total volume. fluid loss. Or you could have issues in regards to like shock. Yeah, so that, that would be the blood vessels have dilated so significantly. So this could be septic shock or anaphylaxis where all the blood is off in other areas and there's not enough central volume.
1: Yeah, so the percentage of blood going to the kidneys has dropped. So you may still have the same absolute volume of blood in the body, but if you dilate just every elsewhere. blood vessel at the same time... Every, every tissue gets a lower percentage, yep. right? And
2: then you get hypoperfusion. Um, and then you could be big blood vessels directly come into the kidney. Yep. So there could be something wrong with the renal arteries. So yes. if they're blocked, stenosed, there's a thrombus, something going wrong with it, that's essentially going to stop blood flow coming to the kidney. Mm. And then there could be problems with the blood vessels that... Come into each nephron. Yeah. So if you vasoconstrict, what is it, the efferent that comes in? Afferent. The afferent yeah. comes in, yeah. Yeah. So if you do that, so some drugs can do that, like, like NSAIDs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then there's a problem. Just to, just to clarify yeah. that, so people are aware, remember that. Um, NSAIDs
1: stop prostaglandins, and prostaglandins do a whole bunch of stuff in the body. One, they can cause pain, inflammation, and fever, but the other thing is they, prostaglandins are important for your tummy to create a mucus lining, but also they're important f- – well, when I say tummy, I mean stomach uh, – but they're also in- important for the afferent arteriole to dilate so enough blood gets in. So if you take too many NSAIDs, you block the prostaglandins, broc- blocking the dilation – of- Brock, Brock Lesnar, brocking the dilation of the afferent arteriole and then that results in constriction. So less blood gets in. So too much NSAIDs, constriction of the afferent arteriole under perfusion. But yep. what about also like um, blood pressure regular, intrinsic blood pressure regulation such as the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone yeah. system, medications that yep. stop this yep. can actually reduce the blood pressure going to the kidneys. And so this... Uh, some medications that result in hypotension or can cause hypotension can cause hypovolemia as yeah,
2: well yep. and, and cause AKI. And then it's also if you vasodilate the efferent vessel, leave in yeah. and, and some of those are the blood pressure medications that you mentioned, like the ACE inhibitors and the angiotensin II blockers, mm. that could cause a dilation of the efferent, which then drops the GFR. Oh, yeah, good point, good point. So in any case, any one of these... Is essentially s- slowing down or hypoperfusing the kidney, essentially the nephrons, the million nephrons in the kidney. Per right. Kidney. So therefore, what we get in is a drop in GFR. Yeah. Are you happy with that? Perfect. So what you're going to start to see? Do you want to just do you want to just start to talk quickly about a manifestation here, or do you want to go to the three? Well, the manifestations
1: that different between the three?
2: Yes. Then like, yes. So this is then important. So. If we start to see a drop in GFR from the pre-renal cause, what will start to go up?
1: Well, uh, the creatinine. The creatinine will start to go up. Yeah, and the urine will reduce. Urine output will be reduced.
2: That's right. Well, not immediately. No. Well, yeah, I guess so. Yes, you're right. But you so, would have, but you basically, so the filtrate- markers
1: for AKI are, are present, and you go, "Ooh, this is an indication that there's something functionally going
2: wrong with the kidneys." Well, let's let's work it a bit by bit. Okay, so hyperperfusion, so that the kidney's not being perfused, therefore GFR's drop in. Okay, so less filtrates getting pushed into the nephron. Yep. Happy with that? Yep. That means. Less of those byproducts, the metabolic byproducts are getting pushed across. Mm -hmm. So, they will start to build up slowly in the blood. Yep. That's creatinine and BUN. Mm -hmm. Okay. But remember, because there's less flow going through the nephron now, it has its own feedback loops. That stimulates RAS. That's right. So, it turns that on. So, blood pressure goes up. Okay. But at the same time… And fluid retention goes up. So, it's… What the, what the nephron's trying to do, the million nephrons, or let's say the two million for all the nephrons in your body uh, or in your kidneys, they're saying, well, we've got a, a poor fly. We really need to hold on to everything here. So what we're going to hold on to is sodium. So sodium will be reabsorbed across the nephron back into the blood and so will water. Yeah. Okay. So by doing those two things, you're going to get s- slowly a drop in urine output. So you're going to move towards oliguria. Does that make sense so far? Totally. But also the osmolarity of your urine is going to start to go up because you're sucking all the water out of it. So what comes out is a very concentrated P. output. Yeah. So urine osmolarity is starting to go up. Yeah. So if you were to do a urinalysis, the specific gravity is going to be increasing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Now, if you're also going to measure urine sodium, that would be low because yes. – you're trying to hold on to it all. Well, you've stimulated RAS, which stimulates angiotensin, which tells the sodium to stay in the body. Now, this is the interesting point. The difference between, even though you're still getting a little bit of filtration occurring, right? But what was the main difference between BUN and creatinine in terms of what happens along the nephron with those two?
1: Is that creatinine doesn't get reabsorbed, reabsorbed, but But BUN bun does. That's right.
2: So, So that means BUN in this case, will be reabsorbed because okay. the filter, the flow is so slow yeah. it's been pulled There's back across. time to pull yeah. it back into the body. So that, what that starts to mean is when you go back to those ratios... Bun goes up. Bun goes up relative to creatinine. Oh, interesting. So remember I said it was 15 to 1? Yeah, yeah. So now in a pre-renal cause, it's now going to go more to 20 to 1. Right, right. Does that make sense? Total. Because yeah. the BUN is being reabsorbed in the nephron whereas cool. the creatinine hasn't got that capacity so it will just keep going out. Um, and then obviously the sodium-creatinine kind of level uh, ratios are going to be um, slightly um, changed because you're holding on to more sodium.
1: Relative to creatinine. That's right. Because it's always And that's worse. going to be
2: important also for a, a distinguishing factor when we now look to the intra- So I think we'll stop now for the pre Mm. and now move to the intra.
1: Can also just make a point that um, if the pre-renal cause is a volume issue, uh, hypovolemia, for example, you can start getting these... biomarkers appearing you know creatinine in this serum goes up and oligouria occurs um but there may not be any injury to the kidney itself and yeah. so if you replenish those fluids it should
2: resolve yeah. the the AKI and, th- and this will be an interesting point can you bring that point back in once we finish the intra okay no problem okay. all right so intrarenal causes
1: here you're referring to the, like you said the parenchyma before which is yeah. the functional tissue yeah. um so basically, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to list a couple of things. You tell me if I've covered the intrarenal tissue you're referring to and if okay. I've missed or I've included anything, I shouldn't. So the glomerulus, Yep. this is the actual filtration unit itself, yep. uh, and the tubules, Yep. and then the various cells of the tubules associated with it. You're in the tubules
2: else. itself, or yeah, so what
1: goes around them? Well, the 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 tubule, the cells of the tubules, and the capillary network yep. affiliated with the tubules. Is that everything? There's also the interstitium.
2: And the interstitium. Yeah. So the interstitium can alter all this as well. Yeah. So the what? I don't think it's a mnemonic, but this is another Here way. We go, you another can, one. <laughs> thank God it's Friday. Is thank God included in it? No, no, that's it, the way I remember it. It's just Friday. Thank God it's Friday. You know, I you really thank God it's Friday. Yeah. I'm just going to change it to t- V. T-G-I-V. Yeah. So T for thank is tubule. Yeah. God, G, glomerulus. Yeah. I, insicition. And V is vascular. Brilliant. And these are the, the, the categories that fit it's under. Not the best,
1: but it's not horrible.
2: You may remember it. Yeah. You may remember it. Because Because it's so bad you might remember it. Okay. Now, before we get into these four, Mm -hmm. I'll just give you the three main causes of an intrarenal etiology. Sure. Basically, it's either going to be ischemia, a toxic product. You and the toxic again. And inflammation. Okay. So they're the kind of root causes that lead to these um, categories of injury. So lack of oxygen
1: to the tissue itself, yep. uh, increase in uh, metabolic products, or it could actually be a toxin that's introduced yeah, that's from right. bacteria or, or, or medication. Medication, And then last one was inflammation yep. due to maybe infection or dam- or direct damage. Yeah, or, or autoimmune conditions. Brilliant. That's, okay. okay, that's good because that, that does actually cover it all, right? Yep. Um,
2: so, so let's start with the T, the tubule. Okay. T but was tubule? Tubule. So okay. I'm just going to go through... Actually, I'll just give you the, the most common example of a tubular disorder. All right. Okay. And this is actually the most common cause of AKI altogether. Really? It's called ATN or acute tubular necrosis. Okay. Okay. Happy with that? Yep. So... And that can be drug-related. It could be heavy metal-related. It could be toxin-related. Yeah. Well... From what I've found, the most common cause of ATN is actually a pre-renal cause. So, so. pre-renal lead into an ATN or a pre- pre-renal lead into an uh, intrarenal Because of ischemia? Yeah. So right. all the things we just spoke about, hyperperfusion, if you allow that to continue for too long, okay, that ischemia... Will then lead into damage of the cells oh, of the tubular ne- necrosis. That's okay, right. that makes sense. So okay, I don't think we really need to go much more than that. No. Okay. So that's the ischemic to be cause. Honest, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's the ischemic causes of the ATN. Yeah. Now the toxic causes, which you mentioned, could be certain things, either metabolic byproducts, so things like rhabdomyolysis. Myolysis. Oh My- yeah,
1: yeah. Rhabdomyolysis.
2: So that would be. Like crush injuries. Yes. So um, I think we saw this or you see this after particularly the effects of earthquakes where people get crushed and then the, these um, like buildings and so forth are taken off people's limbs. That's a really extreme example. What about just car accident? Or car accidents. We had this with the is a, a, the is Granville, an earthquake. The, well, it's it's very common in situations of earthquake where yeah, people but get. Earthquakes
1: aren't super common.
2: That, to, well, I mean, <laughs> some 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 locations are, they relatively are. Um, an example were an um, the Granville train disaster, where the the train went off the tracks. Uh, what year was this? I don't know. I think it was before I was born. Yeah. But I just remember it uh, in terms of I think it was a movie made about it. Um, the train went off crashed into the Granville Bridge, it fell on the train and a lot of people got crush injuries and right. when they were rescued, th- these things were taken off their limbs and then they would die shortly after because probably Red acute kidney. Yeah. yeah. And so this products that's released from muscle breakdown and so forth goes to the kidney and toxic to the kidney or to the tubule cells and they start dying. Yeah. Other things would be certain drugs, so certain antibiotics. Yes. Um, even things like radio contrast agents. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. become toxic. Like vancomycin might be. Um, aminoglycosides, it's a big one. Yep. Yeah. So there's, there's a there's a huge list. Mm-hmm. Um, so these would be the toxic products to the tubular cells, which cause them to become necrotic. Yep. Okay, so that's the T done. All right. The G, this is a cell, essentially glomerular nephritis. Okay. So this would be just and you know, a type of inflammation to the glomerulus which changes the way it processes its filtration.
1: And there's heaps of things here like for like you can have like cholesterol embolisms, antiglomerular basement membrane disease, yeah. immune complexes, um uh, autoantibodies yep. that are coming in, attacking it, thrombotic microangiopathies. So, these would so many different things. So
2: things get caught into the filtration slits and they cause inflammation and that causes the the, the glomerular nephritis itself. Yeah. Yep. Then we move to the eye, interstitial. So this is the most common here would be acute tubular interstitial nephritis. Yeah. And again, very commonly um, immune-driven. Yes. And so these could be based off drugs. So some people who are given antibiotic or NSAIDs or PPIs, the way that the immune system kind of... Interacts with these drugs can cause a, a hypersensitive disorder. I think of like such. T-, t cell therapy
1: too, and then like that CART, can you know cart the 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 chimeric antigen receptor T cell therapy that they use for, for cancers. Okay, I think that can stimulate a huge like
2: cytokine
1: release, right. which can
2: damage the interstitium. That leading lead into an inflammation, which then causes the change in the parenchyma. Yeah, and then finally the vascular, the V. Um, Again, like vasculitis, or something that's happened to this, the micro vessels, yeah. which impact the way that the the tissue of the nephron um, functions. Yeah,
1: and don't forget, just direct damage to the kidney, like direct trauma, direct injury to like the kidney. Like getting
2: punched in the kidney.
1: Yeah, like the, you know, I always try and do kidney shots to you, but. Um Never successful.
2: Okay. So So that's intra. So how is this going to be different to the pre-renal in terms of of its manifesting?
1: Okay. So my assumption would be all the pre-renal stuff is fine. So volume, blood volume stuff is fine. Heart's fine, potentially. Like you might have... Uh, well, my assumption is for the pre-renal, you could probably have a look and go, well, what's causing the volume issue or the hypoperfusion? Is it the heart? Is it the blood volume? You could check those things. But here there probably isn't a discernible pre-renal issue. Yeah. Um, and the intrarenal causes, because it's actually quite difficult to know whether your kidney's been damaged without a kidney biopsy. True. Right? So it's going to be difficult. You're going to have to look at other things to determine that. So... um You could have a look at maybe if the kidney filtration membrane is damaged, it's going to let things through that shouldn't be let through maybe. Proteins. Maybe you have huge amounts of proteins in the urine as well because the kidney is not filtering them. Uh, Tell me. Tell me. Well, it's... I'm just putting out a be, bunch of guesses here. Because the,
2: guesses. the parenchyma or the actual... Let's just say the nephron is not functioning as it should. Mm-hmm. That means it's not doing the job. Right. So the problem with the pre is you're just not loading the nephron with blood and so you're not getting filtration. But the problem here is the nephron is dying or has been significantly injured. So it's not handling the fluid that's, that's been right. filtered very so well. So what you will see is... You won't get the reabsorption of sodium like you saw in the pre. Mm. So the sodium, the urea, the sodium in the urine, could be relatively normal or actually high. Gotcha. Okay, because it's not being reabsorbed. Mm. Or the specific gravity can be again be relatively normal. Okay, but at the same time, because you've got cells that are dying and becoming necrotic, you start to get sediment in the in the urine, like oh, yeah. um, casts and so forth, because they're sloughing off, is that a correct term? Yeah, 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 sloughing. And and going into the urine and therefore you can see that which you won't get the sediments the same way in the pre-renal. Yes, yes, yes. Now, the other difference here is because the nephron is not working, you're not going to get the BUN being reabsorbed. Mm. So that ratio stays the same kind of as normal. So it stays at 15 to 1. And so that... Unlike the pre-renal, which goes to kind of 20 to 1, this one kind of stays within the same um, normal ratio, let's say. Does that make sense? Now, that goes to the point that you made earlier of, well, then you can maybe challenge the kidney because if you don't really know, because ultimately with intra as well... The kidney's not working, so because it's not working, that means you're probably going to get a backup. So you're going to get the sloughing off, which probably will lead to a bit of an obstruction, Mm. and the kidney not filtering the same way. That is going to feed back and essentially cause a drop in the GFR. And so you potentially will still get an increase in creatinine in your blood, but still a drop in urine output. So with this presentation, you may not know... Is it a pre-renal or an intrarenal cause? So like you said, if you give a fluid challenge, so yeah. you were able to give the patient, let's say, intravenous fluid, if it was a pre-renal, you would expect that the kidney would hopefully reverse back to function yes. and you'd get urine flow and then you might get the excretion of these products. But if the kidney's but if it's damaged. An intra, then it won't be able to do it. Okay, because it's It's damaged, it's going to take a long time to recover. Makes sense. Okay. Cool. So that's the main difference between the intra and the pre, Mm -hmm. both in the kind of sub-causes, but in what's ultimately manifesting as a result of its injury. Mm. Now we move to – you happy to go to the last one? Let's do it. The last one is going to be post-renal. Yep. So this is essentially a problem with the normal flow of urine – Downstream to the kidney, right? Yeah,
1: basically urinary tract obstruction.
2: So this is a problem with. Well, think about all the pipes that
1: come from the kidneys out to so got u- urethra, um, bladder. Uh, so and you sorry, you got ureters, bladder, and urethra. Yep. Right. So anything that's going to be blocking these, resulting in the fluid backing up. Back into the kidneys can cause this issue. So bilateral urethral obstruction, you know, uh, stones, lithiasis, bladder dysfunction itself. Yep. Uh, maybe the urethra is obstructed. Maybe like prostatic hyperplasia. That's probably the most common. Prostatic hyperplasia. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But these are pr- s- some of the most common four. So the, again, these
2: can be broken into intrarenal causes. So the obstruction is kind of directly in the the kidney itself. So here you you might be talking about like. Pelvic stones. Yeah. Yeah. Pelvic is in the renal pelvic, not yes, sorry. down yeah. in your pelvis. Yes. Uh, and then extra renal being outside the kidney. So that, like you said, it could be in the ureter. It could be somewhere in the bladder or the urethra. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you mentioned, stones fairly common. I would imagine it's it would be relatively uncommon though to have... Bilateral stones, right, and having two blocked at the same time. I don't know. But it's always mentioned in the literature, bilateral obstruction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can also, if you have certain tumours within the abdomen or pelvis... Oh, yeah, that can yeah. Of course, c- can constrict or push on the ureters, which then limit its flow. And then, like we said earlier, um, one of the most common, particularly in ageing men, is benign prosthetic hyperplasia. Yeah, where that prostate just keeps – the tissue keeps growing and
1: it doesn't necessarily grow out. It sort of grows in to start start pushing on the urethra. So it's very hard to get the pressure. So anything resulting in some sort of stenosis
2: um, of these tubes. And so what would happen is the the backflow would go all the way back up into the kidney and you would get a condition called hydronephrosis. Okay. Okay, and you could – Potentially see that on an ultrasound yep. that the kidney has gotten bigger, um, enlarged, and then what that would lead to is you increase in the pressure within your tubules, which ultimately would then result in a a problem with the GFR because it's it's just more pressure on the other side mm. than on the filtration side, so yeah. it can't get that filter filtering yeah. filtering effect. Yeah, so. My understanding is the post-renal in the way that it presents, it initially would present more like a pre-renal cause with a GFR problem, but then it would move to a late, the later form would be more like an intra-renal, which presumably the cells have become damaged. Mm, mm. Okay. How that would be treated differently? Well, you just try to get the fluid out. So you put a catheter in and particularly if it's where the blockage is, it would be able to just be drained out and the, it, the patient would be relieve pretty quickly because yeah. you've re- retained all this fluid in the bladder and draining that out would not only relieve the pain and discomfort but also hopefully the the renal injury yeah or the or the yeah the AKI all right so when it comes to so that's
1: all three right pre-intra and post um management of these types of issues? Well, it's variable, right? Because there's variable causes and can result in variable management and it depends on the stage of AKI, severity. Um, And so, you know, it would – these are – so what I'm going to mention is some uh, quite broad – management strategy strategies depending on the type and the stage so it could be things like you know discontinue all nephrotoxic agents if possible and again this this could be whatever drug might be given if the if the the drug is nephrotoxic maybe an antibiotic or whatever it may be so discontinue all nephrotoxic agents it could be to ensure volume status and perfusion pressure is okay. Um, consider functional hemodynamic monitoring, so just having a look at blood. Um, monitor the serum, creatinine, and the urine output, obviously, you'd want to do that consistently. Avoiding hypoglycemia. Consider uh, alternatives to radio contrast dyes or procedures if you need to do that Um, and then depending on the stage if the stage starts to get worse and worse you start to have a look at kidney replacement
2: therapies ICU admissions things like that so possibly even dialysis for short periods of time to take the pressure off the kidney yeah but it comes becomes quite problematic because if you think about it uh, as we mentioned at the start a lot of patients in hospital develop this mm. and significant amount of patients in ICU have this. And one of the jobs of the kidney is drug excretion. And so if the patient mm. is having acute kidney injury, they're going to have problems getting rid of a lot of drugs and presumably they're in hospital. So they're going to be on a multi- multitude of drugs. right? Very true. Yeah. So this is going to become a problem as well because you're going to have toxic effects of these drugs building up and as we mentioned throughout, one of the big nephrotoxic agents are certain antibiotics, and many patients in the hospitals have uh, infections which warrant antibiotic use. So this also becomes a challenge that you can't kind of just stop. Yeah, it's tricky. You doing can't this. sort of bypass the kidneys in that sense. So I guess you really got to establish what. What degree of severity? What degree of stage is the patient experiencing with the AKI? Mm. What is the cause? So, if it's in the pre-renal, you may just be re-establishing perfusion of the kidney, which could be trying to um, come up with well, what is the what's the issue? If it's a, a heart issue, can you do something about the pump? Yeah. If yeah. it's a volume issue, can you vasopress and get more more? pressure back in the central system more or, or more, or more, more volume. Yeah. If it's intrarenal that's going to be a more difficult because you've got injury there and as we spoke about post renal you're, you're relieving the obstruction. Yes. So the intrarenal might be the, the most challenging part because you've got a whole lot of cells that are injured, upset, dying and you need to support the kidney and not cause more injury. Yeah. So I guess depending on what is the cause of the intra would then also warrant what the management and the treatment would be. Totally, totally. Is there anything else you want to touch upon with AKI, Matthew? No, I think we've covered the main important parts. I think so. Uh, I Usually with my students, we just look broadly at the causes and understand um, what they are and what... What's their sub-cause? And then I think it's a very important topic as we spoke about just how prevalent it is in the population. What I like
1: about this topic as a
2: teaching... Uh,
1: topic or even I like it because it's a teaching tool and strategy for complex reasoning because if one you need to understand what the kidneys do and how important those functions are for maintaining just homeostasis. Two when you separate out the causes by pre, intra and post it actually totally makes sense when you start talking about well if you don't have enough fluid what could be the problem? If you don't have um, if the heart's not working as a pump what could be the problem? And then keep working all the way. It makes total total sense but you need to understand how it all works to do that
2: and the way you do that is basically a wet bed
1: exactly thanks matt